You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Okay, let's have a look. Oh, this is transcription as well. Brilliant. We are recording. Okay, so my bit has hopefully been done on my introduction, so no need for me to do that. Uh, but let's let's uh, look at our guest today. So, Andre, could you uh, introduce yourself, please? Yes, of course. I'm still trying to figure out all the navigation in Microsoft Teams, but I hope I, <laughs> I manage everything correctly. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My name My name is Andre. I'm uh, engineering director at Smarber. I joined the company a bit more than a year ago, and the you probably don't know about the name of the company, but you might have heard about the products like Swagger Hub or Cucumber or cross-browser testing or Bitbar, if those bring the bell. So it's a yeah, developer engineering tools company. And before that, I spent some time at King, who built Candy Crush and uh, Spotify. Uh, and before that, I worked with a number of technical companies in Ukraine. And uh, with some people we interacted with, Victor, I remember we interacted in both of those. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, been fun of you on this call. Looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Andre is our resident director of engineering today. So really helpful to get his point of view. Uh, second of all, we've got uh, Yasel. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. <laughs> My name is Yasel Sandman uh, and I work as an organizational and team coach. Uh, I've been doing this for the past quite a while now. <laughs> and I really, really enjoy working with teams and helping them figure out how to find the best ways forward for them right now from the situation that they're in and figuring out uh, new ways of working that really work well for them. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited to be here and uh, looking forward to today's conversations. Awesome, Yasso. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Victor next. Please give us your introduction, ma'am. <laughs> Uh, my name is Victor Sasson. I do coaching, very similar to Yasal. I, I coach systems and, and agile, I'd say. And I've been doing it also for over a decade now. And yeah, you know, work with both Yasal and Andre at uh, King and Spotify and uh, Son Ericsson with Yasal too. And uh, yeah, super excited to be here, based in Stockholm. Cool, man. Nice cap, by the way. I love it. Um, and finally, Daniel, yeah, give us your introduction, please. Yes, so uh, yeah, my name is Daniel, and I run my own company called Vidins IT. And uh, I've been mainly a kind of back end developer for 10 years now with companies like uh, Kira and uh, Stark and um, other companies. Uh, so I've kind of been into like agile for kind of a time and kind of touched a lot of different uh, companies. and. Yeah, they've kind of used it differently, we can say, in most reports. Uh, mm. So, uh, but I mean, uh, I kind of started with accounting. So I also had like the business and organizations kind of thinking and as a back end developer. So it's kind of an old mixture, but it's good. Perfect. So. Perfect. Some very, very nice introductions. So I massively appreciate that. Um, so today, our listeners, our viewers, uh, we're going to be exploring the role of an Agile coach. Um, and we've got a couple of Agile coaches, a director of engineering, a back-end developer. So we've got a good mix and hopefully some different views. Um, so as, as per usual, we're going to have a different question or statement for each of uh, the guests or the panel. And uh, firstly, we're going to come to... Um, come to Victor right um, and Victor's question was how has the role changed over the last decade or decades yeah so Victor give us some context about behind your question give us some thoughts yeah when my first interaction with an agile coach I think uh, was 15 over 15 years ago or so and that person had a very, very different background than most of the young professional agile coaches that I meet today. And also the type of work that that coach did and the type of work that I see coaches doing today differs vastly. I don't see one of them as better than the other, but they're just very, very different. 
and there seems to be some general trends in like what coaches have focused on over the years that I've been working at different companies. Um, there's one part which is like the state of the company, if it's an early adopter, if they're working in learning and learning domain, or if they're working like in a uh, more in the industry with and their laggards, you know, how much they've adopted agile is going to affect what type of coach they have. But it seems to me that the role is changing quite a lot lately and people are unable to put some sort of name or word on it or describe it. And I'm just curious about like what your experience with that has been. Like how did you see it when you first entered this role and how do you see it today or and where is it going? Great question. Should we go to uh, Yasel first? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I started working um, uh, with agile methodologies a really long time ago. And uh, it's interesting, right? Like, uh, I, I think especially if you talk about over the last uh, decade or so, people didn't use the terminology agile coach as much either. What you what we would today refer to as an agile coach was generally referred to as um, a scrum master. And of course, you then had um, management consultants who would come in and, and do the larger tra change transformations and stuff like that. And, and now you see um, a mixing of that role. Like I see scrum masters become agile coaches which is moving more into um, the uh, change management uh, way of working and uh, it, it, they've they've gotten a much larger uh, responsibility in some companies and it's also become a little bit less clear what it is that you're responsible for you sort of have to create your own um, role and responsibilities okay um, Daniel and what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of today. I would say that uh, educators kind of depends a lot of the organization. I mean, what kind of responsibilities do you get, and and what is the change you should? Uh, I mean, what is the value of the change you are going to add? Uh, as kind of Yasal mentioned earlier, it was kind of you was a scrum master, you did scrum, and that was kind of the agile thing. Today, agile is so much bigger. So, so the coach also need to add more, not only like this is like a scrum or this is uh, something that you can use, but also more about the organization and not only for developers, I would say. It's kind of so, bigger. So what, what do you think, is it now that a company needs more agile coaches because the role is a lot bigger, or is that single person still responsible for just a, a wider kind of responsibility? I would say it could be responsible for more wider things than if they it probably also need uh, to share that responsibility. So the agriculture doesn't need to do everything by themselves, but to delegate or, or get the organization to do more. Uh, usually it's kind of, I've seen that it's kind of ends up with some agriculture or still like scrum masters to do, try to do everything. And the organizations kind of, look at it and see that it's not wanted to change with the coach. So, yeah. Andre, what's your thoughts about this? How, how has the role changed from your view? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that I can agree to everything that's been said so far. That in my mind, Agile Coach has its roots into Scrum Master role. But then besides that, you can think of like other methodologies like extreme programming, which also had a coach in, in the definition, but they call like ex extreme programming coach more like a developer-oriented coach, you know. So so then, and also maybe con to connect the dots with the business a bit. So if you look like uh, journals like Harvard Business Review and those kind of materials, then you see there's plenty of organizational coaches being, you know, for ages uh, in the scrolls. So team coaches are different type of coaches. And then the Scrum Master role kind of evolved into, into something else, being like a hybrid of like a business plus development. Because you know, if you're talking about digital transformation, then you know many people who are business coaches they don't maybe not understand necessarily the context of software engineering. As a scrum master is kind of or agile coach becomes like a glue between the business and development in a sense. But uh, yeah, different companies have de defined role differently. We can talk about that in, uh, during the podcast, I believe. But uh, in essence, I would say agile coach role evolves into something which is closer to the business, and agile coaches becomes. So most of them to grow becomes like organizational coaches to be on the whole company level rather than just one team. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if you think back to your time at, 
kind of Spotify early on, yeah, compared to your role now uh, with SmartBear. Yeah, do you think you were when when hiring an agile coach? Do you think you were hiring something different now as opposed to then, or can, well, what were your expectations? Yeah, I don't want to set set the wrong um, context, but the SmartBear. I don't think I know any team which has an agile coach. So we operate without agile coaches, and it seems to work okay. Uh, I'm not saying that it won't work better without, like if Eve having an agile coach. So from Spotify, for example, I've seen cases where it did work well. I've seen cases where it didn't work well. Again, agile coaches, any other profession has, you know, uh, people with different uh, proficiency and different skills. So, but I mean, overall, the role gives, um, uh, I mean, if done right, done correctly, can give significant impact to the team and to the business overall, depending on which level agile coach operates. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I want to be a little bit provocative and say that I don't see any correlation. I mean, there's there's no causation, but there's I don't even think there's a correlation between team performance and availability of Agile Coach um, today. What do you mean by that? So I, I don't think that if a team brings in a Agile Coach, you can expect to see increased team performance. I don't think that that correlation exists. At least not anymore. Uh, just like what you said, Andre, like you don't have coaches and it's working pretty well. If you have management team that understands management that builds their organization in a way that's conducive to like team performance, that's that's what you need, right? And so I see I see the specialization happening a lot. You, you talked about these uh, agile coach role being the glue, but a lot of the agile coaches today. They lack they lack so much of this um, peripheral knowledge that is helpful, and so kind of like you know we we go to cons uh, management consultancy firms in the past. We might bring in team coaches from a separate place in the past, and we would have the scrum master in the past. And now we've embedded or like integrated all of that into the agile coach role, but the agile coaches don't have that knowledge, and so that's. Yeah. No, it's it's an interesting point. Yasel, can you pick up Victor's comment there? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have so many actually, so I'm glad you called on me. <laughs> I seen um, your eyes. I saw your eyes. <laughs> I, I think it is a really tough one to think about. Like, you know, how much of the improvements for the teams that we were seeing improvements? I just want to say also, like, you know, when we look back, we might think that it was better than it was. Uh, there were criticisms about how Scrum Masters weren't adding values or uh, moving over to Scrum wasn't adding value even 10 and 15 years ago. Um, and when I take a look back as well, I wonder how much of that was due to when it did improve was just due to the novel effect, right? You're doing something in a different way. You're creating more conversations. These potentially were teams, people who weren't talking to each other. You were seeing a lot more siloed uh, teams that weren't cooperating. And now all of a sudden you're putting all these people into one room. And I think that in the organizations where they weren't doing it this way and where they did get uh, Scrum or some other agile methodology to work, that that was part of what got it to work. You finally had people talking together who weren't uh, as much. And I wonder what kind of, what? how do we shake the system today when we bring in an agile coach? Um, and uh, are we really, it, does it create a bigger difference? A, a lot of organizations um, are, are working in a different way than they were 15 years ago. Um, and I'm just not sure, yeah. So I, I, I agree, but I'm just not sure that I would agree that it was, it, I don't know how much I would say, you know, it was creating value before, and I don't know why it was creating value before. Mm. In, in the interest of making sure we get everyone involved, Daniel, yeah, what, what are your <laughs> yeah. thoughts on the conversation being had? By the sense of it, we, I didn't need to bring any questions, by the way, this conversation would have dealt with itself. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's kind of uh, interesting because I think agile is only because it could give a value if the organization didn't have a way to like have the feedback loop and kind of understand the concept. Then a good like, but that is kind of with any area. Like if you don't have the knowledge for for getting like positive feedback or, or improvements, then someone that can share that kind of knowledge would improve the organization. But today it's also like if you bring someone in that doesn't run, you don't run Scrum or something. And you bring in an agile coach and say, yeah, but now we're going to run Scrum. And they doesn't have the knowledge, as you kind of say, that do we really need to run Scrum in this organization? I mean, agile today is so much bigger. I mean, the area is kind of bigger than what it is 
it was like 10 years that it was on the scrum that we discussed. Today, Agile is like, yeah, a flexible way to work to get to give a value. But yeah, so so I, I kind of say that if team works, it's it's kind of because I, I won't see that Agile could give uh, that kind of knowledge because today Agile is kind of broader by people working. I mean, it's an area that has kind of spread knowledge over 10 or 15 years. Uh, and so people have like basic knowledge more than today than they had earlier. So, uh, okay. but still, I mean, it's, it's kind of when you do the transmission, I would say agile coach could give value. Okay. Let's leave that question at that. I'm sure some of these themes will come through in other questions. So let's go to uh, Yasal's question. Yeah. Um, who is the agile coach coaching? The team, the individuals, the managers, the stakeholders. Yeah, the list goes on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so give us some context uh, about your question. Yeah, it, I actually went out and asked people what kind of questions they would like to have answered on this who weren't agile coaches if, if this program was supposed to uh, help with that. And it seems as if uh, this one came up in some of the uh, points of view where uh, agile coaches might view it one way and the people who uh, work <laughs> where there are agile coaches uh, view it a very different way. And uh, the reason I thought we should really take it up here is because um, actually for me, this is a question of uh, how much have you communicated about what your role actually is and where you are and how clear have you been? Have you created an agreement, uh, some done some kind of contracting uh, with the people who you think you're going to coach? And is it clear to everybody um, who's coaching whom? And uh, maybe adding to it, uh, what coaching actually means, uh, I think that's become lost a little bit too. Sometimes coaches feel like, oh, I have the big view picture, which means I can tell you, I see everything around you. So coaching becomes more of telling. Mm. Victor, what do you do? <laughs> uh, I do. Uh, I spend some time with the contracting part quite a lot and uh, mm. trying to figure out, basically calibrate um, expectations, needs, ambitions. One thing that happens when I do this and it happens more when I don't is specifically like you discover further down the road that I thought we brought you in to coach them. And then when you go there, I thought we brought you in to fix them. <laughs> so there's this in and out group. Now by the contracting, the only thing you're doing really is first of all, or you're doing a lot of things, but you're creating a feedback loop. So you're, you're taking that conversation much faster. And then it becomes co-creation because then you can bring in, for example, if it's two different camps, you can bring them in and say, oh, it's interesting. Like, so let's talk about your joint needs and your like separate needs and let's see how we can work with them together. So you're get going into equality and co-creation and like mutuality and that's much better. But what you made me think about was like, I'm, I'm just assuming that everyone knows what one contract is, two agile is, three coaching is, and I can't assume I can't even assume that. So I need to spend time like with those three definitions, even in my contracting phase. So Andre, when you're bringing an agile coach, yeah, let's say in your previous roles, yeah, are you mainly bringing it in to coach the software engineer team to help yourself? Yeah, to maybe the product owners, the product managers. What 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 are you generally doing, and and how do you set those expectations? Yeah, that's I think the right right word to say expectations. That it would be the key because it's it, it's applied to any role, not only agile coach, but anyone who you want to bring to the team. Would you want to bring the tech lead, or engineering manager, or director, or VP, or whatever? You need to set right expectations from the very beginning, from the first interaction you have with a person. And the bigger the company is, those conversations typically kind of go wrong because you have people who don't clarify expectations. They don't even know they need an agile coach. It's like, yeah. You probably need somebody who can handle all this mess. <laughs> and then they bring agile coach because they heard those are probably the best people who can make sense out of what's going on. But you know, uh, but when agile coach comes, and I've been in a situation where you know agile coach coach came and she she started kind of dig down into the problems and she uncovered such a big amount of skeletons in wardrobes which were not like you know those leaders were not able to solve were not ready to solve and maybe Asal maybe know what I'm talking about because she probably knows that person because I work with her very closely but we don't go very 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 deep there but then the, I mean the, the question is is again expectations and if 
uh, leadership of a team who brings the agile coach, they know what expectations are and, and what they want to solve with this role. Sometimes agile coach is the right solution, sometimes not. Sometimes just having a conversation is the right solution, but people might have so much internal conflict that they're not ready to have or don't have courage to discuss it. And then agile coach can help facilitate those discussions because who would, you know? If people just kind of get defensive, don't want to, you know, share their vulnerabilities and needs and discuss openly things. So agile coach kind of can help mitigate those risks. But again, not always. I mean, I have kind of sympathy for agile coach because they always operate in, in a in a place of a high ambiguity. They what they get told typically in the interviews is not what they're going to do. And then they kind of spend first three to six months of their job just to figure out what's going on, what the expectations are, and only then they can start working. And then we talk about performance of agile coaches. It's really hard to measure because, you know, it's one of those hardest roles to onboard. Like engineering manager is quite easy. Like direct reports, one-on-ones, retention of, of team, delivery, you can measure it very quickly. How will you measure performance agile coach? It's hard. I mean, I don't say it's impossible. It is possible. We're talking smartly about this right now because we, we see value as some of the people who don't act as agile coaches. Their role are not agile coaches. They're like principal engineers or mm-hmm. architects, but they act as agile coaches in some cases, some scenarios, like, you know, story mapping, example mapping. If you've heard about Seb Rose, I know he's very famous in this BDD community. So he's doing a lot of facilitation within SmartBear. So he's like agile coach for entire SmartBear. And we, we see a lot of value scaling him, you know, bringing more people to help him grow his kind of organization. But uh, again, you need to be very clear with those expectations so people know what, what others expect of them. I think it's really interesting that uh, when uh, Yasal um, almost suggested it was kind of uh, the agile coach, agile coach's responsibility to come in and set the expectations. I suppose, you, Andre, you looked at it from a level of actually it's my expectation to bring in the right person for a particular job. Yeah. And the interest of bringing in the software engineer, kind of what's your thoughts on this, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been working with some uh, agile coach or like scrum masters and kind of others. And I think it's, uh, I mean, the expectation of what they are going to bring is kind of, is a kind of a big variation because one is if the team is not, as, as Andre mentioned, like if the team is not ready for it, uh, then it's also like harder to accept what is needed to be changed. I mean, if the team thinks that things works well, and then someone brings in an agriculture to say, like, your responsibility is to do a change. Mm, that is kind of hard. Yeah, fix the team. That is that is kind of the uh, the situation usually. Uh, and so, so I think it's like, and even if you say what the responsibility is for the agriculture, uh, it's maybe not agreed by the team mm. that that need to be sold. So I think it's like kind of back to like an organizational way, like where the problem is, is maybe not always in the team that is saying that, like like Victor told earlier that it could be a combination of teams that the agriculture need to fix, I mean, or need, need to discuss and, 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 and see the problem and see what the organization's problem is. So I think it's like from agriculture way that responsibility can be very unclear, even if they're like clear on paper when you start, it's, it's kind of unclear when you go in and see you, how everyone reacts. Is, is that a common theme uh, working as a software engineer that when the agile coach gets brought in, yeah, that you think, ah, that they're coaching us, yeah, it's we're doing something wrong, Daniel? Yeah, I, I would say that it depends on the organization. I mean, how they have, I mean, if, if they kind of uh, in, in advance, like this is our ambition and this is our goal, and not really saying that anyone is doing wrong, but kind of what we want to transform the company and then say that we need more expertise and learn. Then I would say it's easier to get an understanding where we're going. But if we kind of bring in and say that, uh, yeah, but uh, you guys have worked like this for uh, three years, but uh, we don't think it's agile. So we brought in someone to fix it. Mm. Then it's like, yeah, but we have kind of worked good for three years. And now someone is coming in to just tell us how we should do our work. And that, I mean, I think that's kind of some of the topic that I have today. Like, uh, like as your coaches bring in say like, yeah, let's run Scrum and, and that's fix everything. And uh, so, uh, so I, I think it's kind of common. Um, and it kind of brings back that uh, 
that Victor told earlier, like uh, the experience that Agile Coast has today, like how much larger they need to see the problem and not like focus on one thing, but kind of get an understanding of the organization and uh, have more knowledge about what could be an issue. Uh, yes, yes, Sal, let's get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I, I really don't disagree with um, the stuff that people have been saying. Uh, and I just want to say maybe that the um, making sure that expectations are clear, it's the responsibility of both parties. But for sure, if I am a consultant, agile coach, and I'm coming into an organization, I am not doing my job right if I don't have that conversation or if I don't make sure that conversation happens. And sometimes your clients might not know that you, you should have that conversation. Sometimes they are looking for a miracle worker to solve it. So uh, what are their expectations? And I think all of the points that you guys made were really good, right? So um, the, the person who's hiring me maybe thinks I should be coaching group A and group A thinks I should actually be hire, coaching the person who hired me. And it's really important to make sure that you that you uh, talk to everybody. So I, yeah, I agree with, with all of you guys, but I just want to say that if it if the conversation doesn't happen from uh, the person who's hiring the agile coach, the agile coach should really make sure uh, to have these conversations and have them over time uh, as well, right? Situations change, uh, and you want to make sure that you keep updating what these expectations are uh, as the situation evolves. Um, any final thoughts, anyone? No. Okay. Good mm -hmm. stuff. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, I think, Daniel, let's discuss uh, your question. So your question was, how an Agile coach um, helps with culture in an organization that goes from non-Agile to Agile? Um, and then why do some coaches only look at Scrum when doing this transition? Yeah. Um, so give some context about it. You briefly talked about it, but give us some more. Context. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been in some companies where in some way they kind of worked agile, but maybe not in any like frameworks or like classic Scrum or Kanban way, but they have got like feedback loop and they have their kind of meetings, but it's not as known to like the way in some way. And then uh, it's kind of common that uh, like uh, the management or like organization says like, yeah, but now we need to be agile and only way to be agile is kind of scrum. And then they bring in people to say, now we're going to run scrum. And haven't really looked if the team can run scrum. Uh, so so I've, I've been in a couple of teams where running scrum is hard because of the task they're doing. Uh, so, so this kind of comes back to what I mentioned earlier also that uh, that you kind of bring in to fix something that maybe doesn't need to be fixed, but you didn't really understand how the team, what the team are doing. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Victor, what would, <laughs> you, plan, what would you be a plan here? Uh, um, uh, well, so... The, I don't even know where to pick up the thread. Um, I think that like there is a, a few things stuck out in what you said about like we haven't even checked if the team is ready for Scrum, and I think that's a huge issue. Scrum, there's so many implications when you are, for example, running Scrum. Like, does the team, you know, a lot of teams, organizations might run projects, and now suddenly they're supposed to run uh, Scrum, you know, something more like ongoing and you're supposed to collaborate across crafts do people know how to do that do they want to do that is the product uh, relevant for that type of work um, does our technical landscape enable us to work in short rapid sprints etc etc like how important is quality maybe you know we're working with med tech and our sprints are one year long because we have to do this amount of testing and like so that no one dies with a pacemaker and but I think that you know Scrum is the most popular or like most known at least um, process or methodology. There, you know, Scrum master training, Scrum product owner training, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is organized right. The buyer-seller uh, interaction is optimized around Scrum, and I think that's one of the reasons. And it's really easy to teach the methodology, but really hard to to look at everything else that's around it that's necessary in order for even Scrum to be uh, applicable 
and we we don't teach anyone to do that. So I think that when you're looking for an, an organization to go from non-agile to agile, we we can't look at empowered product teams as the final destination. We have to stop doing that. Like if you have a project org, for you, agile might mean stop having projects. Just you know have the same people working over and over. You might still have a project list where you push in things, but now suddenly you have the same people working on only one thing. That might make you one hundred times more agile than you used to be, and that's a huge step for the organization. So, like, define what ag like agile means for you, rather than looking at Marty Kagan's like empowered product project uh, product teams, because you're never going to be able to make that transition. It's too big. Love that, Yasel. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was actually thinking, um, I think part of the problem also with the framing is typically that people will say, we want to become more agile. Uh, and for me, that's already a red flag. Like, why do you want to become more agile? What does more agile mean? Actually, tell me a little bit more about your company and the outcomes you're trying to reach. And then we'll talk about what it is that you might need to do to be able to get there. Uh, agile is so vague. And I think when you bring in somebody who maybe doesn't know more to ask these questions back to to Victor's point of you know like you now need to know so much more if you don't know to ask that question and and you're you think that you know you're just being graded on if you get the organization to change their way of working um, you might end up focusing on saying, okay, well, you know, Scrum, easy methodology to implement. I, I see SAFE also right now is growing in uh, a lot of the larger companies. So you might come in, they're pretty easy, easy to implement. You've got like, you know, a whole, a, a bunch of rules, uh, a clear roles. Uh, it's, it, it, it becomes, that becomes the exercise instead of actually helping the company achieve what it was trying to achieve or the organization or the team. Uh, and so I, I, I worry if it's just not that framing, right? Like, hey, we want to become more agile. Why? <laughs> what does that mean? What are you hoping to get to? What, what, what's the common answer? Do you ever ask that, like, uh, when someone is interviewing you, when they're thinking about bringing you on yourself, and what do they generally say? Is there a common theme, or is that, I don't know? Yeah, it, um, I, I'm actually, I really don't take these assignments where the end result is <laughs> oh, right. like this. So if the person can't give me a different answer, then just, you know, other companies are doing it. Hey, the Spotify model looks really interesting. We would like that too, because it seems to have worked well for them. Um, and and I, I, what I hear is other companies are doing it, right? Like we, we see this or uh, we feel like we need some kind of a change and maybe this is the change that we should do. Um, and it, it could be that they've read uh, something inspiring, watched something inspiring, and they want to be able to uh, gather a lot of those results. And I think Andre mentioned, right, like um, publications even like HBR are talking a lot about this too. So it's really mainstream right now. And who wants to not be yep. part of what everybody else is doing? <laughs> It's it's fun it's funny you've mentioned that actually. There was one of uh, the podcasts we got coming up probably in about two months' time is talking about the Spotify model and how so many people have tried to mimic it and even Spotify admitted once they failed. <laughs> um so it's quite interesting you bring up that. Um Andre, what are your thoughts around uh, this topic? I mean, going from the non agile to agile and the use of Scrum seems to be the, the more common one. What can, what kind of your thoughts as as a director of engineering? Yeah, I mean one of the things I mean since I've been working at Spotify I also get tired already answering people why Spotify model only worked for Spotify. You should have just copied it. And I just went, went to the place because last year I have been speaking about this to five different companies in different countries. And just, I just wrote an article saying, hey, don't stop asking me, like, read, <laughs> you know? And uh, trying to publish it somewhere. So let's see how far I go with these editors. But um, yeah, I hope it will be some kind of good read because what I, what I found on the internet that there are either critique or either like, you know, positive side, but there is nothing in the middle. They can describe where it works, where it doesn't. And I think Spotify model, like in essence, worked for mid-level companies, like 50 to a few hundred people. It stopped working after you go up to 300, 400, because even Spotify changed chapter lead role to engineering manager role because they seen it's not fluid as it was. But the goal, the goal initially for them was to have this fluidity of interactions or chapter lead role allowed people to jump between squads easily without having to change the manager. That's really quick, like a startup environment, you know? So otherwise they need to go and talk to other managers, get approval, go through budgets and get forever, you know? And but that's my, 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 what I'm leading towards is like my main point is less, less concerned about Scrum or Kanban or particular methodology, 
I'm more concerned about how organizations scale their ways of working. Like think of it like startup, you know, you started a startup, you have five, seven, 10 people, they work together as one group, they have one standard, everyone knows everyone, everything. But if you start to grow, things change, you know, it needs structure, it needs to have some kind of reporting, needs to have some kind of, you know, processes. And how do you do that? I mean, people are like, yeah, do Scrum. Okay, okay, great. Okay, but what if I'm 50 people? What shall I do? Yeah, do like safe. People try it. You know, I tried doing safe before safe even even released. And I mean, I know what's your experience with safe, but mine was very far from pleasant. <laughs> um, but uh, and then we, like people talk about less and any other kind of scaling frameworks. I know. I mean, they're good as a references. Even from safe, you can you can learn some interesting material, like how they think about scalability, how they think about culture. You can get some interesting ideas. But at the end of the day, I think you need to think for yourself. Like, look at Netflix, look at Google, look at Twitter, Facebook. All those been going through this transformation sooner or later. And I, I like to talk about inflection points a lot because in different stages of your company, you have different needs. Like what small startup needs, not what mid size or what what large size needs. And Again, Agile or Scrum or Kanban, it's not like one size fits all. You need to always figure out what works, what doesn't, apply common mindset, talk to people, define your processes for decision-making. Um, I know Agile coaches have a lot of tool, tools so how to make those decisions. That's why I think this role is still quite important because not many managers are not knowing about those consensus or consensus during making decisions. Uh, you need to educate them and somebody needs to do this education. So for me, Agile coach, again, evolved into this organizational coach, but whether you do Scrum, Kanban, XP, safe, less, whatever, whatever works for your company, whatever you have consensus in your organization. Okay, Daniel, any final thoughts and comments? No, I think it was a good discussion. So, so uh, but I mean, uh, kind of yes, about the kind of red flags, but why they go agile from kind of developer points. The question, I mean, the answer is like always they want to go faster. Mm. Uh, that is kind of the things when you're on the floor doing it, and if management comes in and say that. Now we go agile and scrum because then we will produce more. And as Candice and Victor also told, like, are we ready for it? I mean, it's not like mounted are we ready, but do we have like the technology or everything around us to move faster? I mean, agile can help with some part of it, but you still need to have things around you working for you. So, yeah. Okay. Um, final question. Um, and it's going to be Andre's question. Um, so he wanted to discuss how agile coaches and engineering managers uh, collaborate together. Yeah, uh, how they should be collaborating. What's the kind of the best ways of doing it? Um, I'm going to actually come to you first, actually, Daniel. Yeah, uh, from an engineer's perspective. How does it affect the team when their collaboration is good? And, and if you see some good examples of uh, engineering managers and agile coaches collaborating? Yeah, I, I've seen where they like worked well. And I mean, in that way, it's usually kind of bring a more balance to the team. I would say someone that can comes in and, and explain maybe more things that are more technical or like can give, as you say, help with listening and, and help to to. I mean, improve that way, uh, and what and also kind of coach the engineer managers to uh, like, like not only do like the engineer or tech part, but do the one to one and 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 be a better way to like listening and, and also coaching around it. So, uh, so in that case, I've seen good work. I mean, in kind of bad ways, I've also seen that when it's kind of clash between them that. You have two person that kind of give uh, two different directions. Then the team also would be split. Like, what what is who should I listen to? Is it the engineer manager that tells me that I should work in like process A, or is it the agile coach that says something else that goes against the engineer manager? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think when they can communicate, they should also be kind of in the same area like in, in the same way. So I suppose, Andre, kind of, what is your experience of this? Yeah, when, what what do you believe? How should they be working with you? And kind of tell us about good and bad experiences that you've had. I mean, obviously, again, obviously don't name any names if the bad experience, please. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, but, I mean, I mean the, the main thing is about, again, uh, roles, responsibilities and expectations. I mean, I've seen cases where 
you know, it was also not defined and agile coach start to do what GM need to do or vice versa, because, you know, I, I think case of an agile coach can go into one-on-ones with people. And with time, it kind of doesn't end up well into like dynamics in the relationship between managers, because then kind of agile coach becomes like overseeing people, which GM needs to do, then EM is not doing enough to support their people and vice versa, you know, then sometimes you need to have a perspective, you need to have like some kind of facilitation and then agile coach wants to kind of delegate all of this to kind of make themselves very like step back and then somebody needs to do the work and who would do it if nobody knows how to do it and EM steps in, that kind of creates a conflict, right? So uh, so my question was just maybe to provoke a bit because I've seen Victor also, we've been discussing this on Twitter, so I wanted to kind of maybe have this conversation in a fun way. But um, yeah, I, I think it works very well when you have like this click synergy, everything clicks. And I think cases, and I, yeah, when it didn't work so well, but then I mean, you, you, it's, it's again, it's uh, another management question. Like, what do we do in the, if this doesn't work? That you do like some rotations, you can move people into the company, you can maybe introduce more clear roles, responsibilities. There are plenty of ways you can do to resolve any conflict from management point of view. And um, again, but as I said, for me, it starts between clear separation of roles, responsibilities, and expectations. People know what they're expected to do. Yeah, cases doesn't go like that. Yasso, yeah. What? Um, how is it best for engineering managers and yourself to work together? What? What? Tell us some good examples of how it works well. Yeah, I was actually curious to hear what Victor was going to say. <laughs> well, so so, 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 so is I, but I thought I'd leave it, leave it to the end. I was so <laughs> tempted. Right. We've had so many discussions about this, Victor and I, actually, <sighs> because um, I, I know under you mentioned maybe the engineering manager role is a little bit easier than the agile coach role to help define, but I'm, I'm finding that it isn't. Having worked with so many different companies, um, each company also has its own definition of what an engineering manager is and what their responsibilities are. But I would definitely have to plus one what Andre just said about um, that you what you really want is to clarify expectations. I, I think in a lot of companies where you've got people who are uh, not maybe used to being in leadership roles who end up getting them, uh, this is maybe your first time as an engineering manager or maybe your first time as an agile coach coming in, you don't think of the fact that you actually belong to a leadership team uh, of the team that you're leading. And you, as the leadership team, together need to say, what are the things that need to be done and need to happen in order to create the best situation um, and environment for our team? And how do we split up that work? And how do we do that without being super strict about the fact that, you know, an EM's role on paper says, I'm responsible for these five things. And the Agile coach says this, but we say, what are we each individually really good at? What do we have time for? And how do we verify that it's the best working situation? So yeah, in my experience, it works a lot better when you have that open communication, when you're thinking I'm collaborating with the other person and not I'm the one who's gonna try to take up space here. Okay, well, I'm sure the audience is waiting for to hear what Victor said on Twitter. Yeah, so please put that in your answer. I can't wait. I don't remember exactly what thread, but I, uh, I, I think you're all alluding to my, like you're saying the same thing that I think I'm, I, I use a little different words. And it's like, um, I think that it works really well when you have people who value mutuality and co-creation. Like when you're talking about these things that like, oh, expectations, what you're looking for is the mutuality and co-creation. And in cases where that works well, and you can throw in like the PO or PM into this too, like in cases where these three actors like care deeply about mutuality and co-creation, it doesn't really matter because uh, what they do or what the problem is, they're going to find their way to each other and they're going to lead together. They're going to enhance each other. Now, the problem is when you have uh, things like goals, contracts, incentives, impact people's uh, willingness to be open to others' ideas, etc. But if you have people who index strong in mutuality and co-creation, that's going to work really, really well. Now, the opposite to this is like the territorial approach. And I think that in every case, if you have like a territorial, uh, if you are a territorial agile coach, you just need to back off. Like you are, the, the team is not there for you. You are there on the system's terms, like on the team's terms, on the EM's terms. You're there to enhance, not to replace. Now, if you have an engineering manager 
who has this dysfunction or like uh, territorial, not lacking openness, not inviting, then this is not your problem as an agile coach. Maybe the problem you need to solve is like getting a feedback loop happening between the engineering manager and his or her manager so that they can sort that out because you're not there to solve like peer, uh, like inequality between peers. That's not your job unless it's outspoken and agreed like you have a contract together with the manager and the manager's manager on that. But so like the mutuality and co-creation is key. And without that, you're just going to amplify every dysfunction you see in the org into the team. And that team is not going to be able to handle it. You're just going to divide the team. You're going to increase attrition. Like it's just going to become a mess. So if you have a co-creative culture, then, you know, shared leadership is amazing. But otherwise, I, I th see it being more dysfunctional. Have you gone through that Yasal before? Um, which part? A co-creative team? <laughs> I, I no, like some, of, some of the challenges that uh, Victor are going through, are, the, are these common challenges that you go through? or? Uh, yeah, they are. And I, I think when I look back, right, which which are the teams where we've we've gotten this to work well, I, I would really say that it's exactly what Victor is describing here. Um, it has to do with your attitude going into it. But I would also say that uh, you alluded to this, Victor, right, that it's uh, about um, the reward systems that exist around you at the company that could create a situation where it makes it difficult to work together and collaborate together. I, I might feel like, oh, if I uh, try splitting up some of my responsibility with you, uh, that's going to reflect negatively on my um, uh, raise, <laughs> on my uh, possibility to um, uh, move forward in the company. Um, and it, it's... Yeah, and here I think maybe it ties back into my question of who's the agile coach coaching, which is a little bit mm -hmm. to what you were talking about, right? Like, did I come in to coach the engineering manager and the team, or uh, was I coming in to coach the team with the engineering manager, or uh, right? Like, where where was that responsibility? And I, I think sometimes when it doesn't work from the agile coach perspective, it's when they sort of take on that role and say, okay, well, you know, it's my job to fix all of you, <laughs> whether you want it or not, and, and then that. Becomes becomes a real problem and it becomes a real power grab. Uh, whereas if you can really go in and be clear, you know, how are we going to work together? How honest are we going to be together? What you really want is an open, honest, transparent relationship where you can really help each other to get it work well. Yeah, um, also I would say it's, it's quite bad if it goes like to this way when you know, somebody brings an agile coach with hidden intentions without telling this to the team. It's just like a backstabbing. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> it's really tough from both perspectives because then you have like you know situation where people get confused why they get dragged into this direction. Agile coach is in the middle of this mess with management and leadership. So yeah, it's somehow I, yeah, it's, it's a bad place to be. I agree. <laughs> Well, I, I've just been jotting down some notes, by the way. So if everyone's looking at me typing, I'm not messaging my dad or anything like that. Um, but I was uh, some of the common themes that come up is kind of setting clear expectations, co-creation, and high-level communication. Yeah, for any kind of aspiring agile coaches out there, or people so who are currently doing it who are having challenges, kind of how often are you kind of setting these expectations and communicating? And is there a framework in place to do that? Is it a weekly thing? Is it? Uh, have you got any advice, um, Victor? Um, I think whenever you uh, one like alert system or trigger for yourself is whenever you are not sure, um, then that's a good trigger to go into like contract negotiation. Maybe not on the spot, but you could start. And you can. How often do you do this? You can do this. Sometimes you might need to do this on a daily basis, and, and it could be as simple as. Hey, I'm, you know, is is it okay if I just sit in and listen and lean back without like doing anything here because I'm not really sure what I'm here supposed to do, uh, here and supposed to do. And then they say, yeah, sure. And then you've made a contract for that meeting or like, how can I be of service to you in this session if someone has dragged you in or like, can we have a conversation, Victor? Sure. What would you like us to chat about and what would you like to take away from this conversation? Uh, and, and you're you're suddenly you're like making some agreements about and you can ask things like, you know. Um, how how could like how could I behave to be help help to you right now? Do you want me to be supportive, challenging, with listening, or whatever? Uh, but you can also set these contracts with teams. Like I I really prefer to do this. Like if we work for three months, 
what are the tensions that you would like to or opportunities that you would like to have grasped or tensions that you don't want to exist anymore in three months and then we write them down and we take them like one by one uh, yeah. and you can follow up halfway like you know how has how has it gone are all of these still relevant um, yeah so whenever you don't know explicitly and when you're concerned that if you ask people, you know, why am I here? If you're concerned that they would have different answers, that's a pretty decent trigger or like a, a sign that you might need to go into contracting mode. Uh, and Yasso, final final tip for people um, um, in this in this problem space, let's say. Yeah, I, I think it's really good to be explicit about it. So I agree with uh, Victor's uh, discussion about it. So you do contracting sometimes in a much more daily fashion. Uh, but I also like to be clear. So I, I usually have some kind of digital document. Uh, it could be a, a board or a, a, a Word or Google Doc and, and really just make sure to, that we're clear about it. So I'll write down, this is what this is what you say you, you hired me to do. Uh, as I'm doing this work, I'm discovering that either some things might not be applicable or that might not be exactly what we should do. And primarily with the person who's actually uh, signing my contract, I will uh, schedule uh, recurring meetings to make sure that we take that time so that I'm. sometimes life gets in the way and you might not take that discussion when you needed to in the moment. Uh, so I just really like to make sure that we have an opportunity to discuss it and say, okay, uh, so this is what I was supposed to be working on. Here's what's what I'm learning. Here's what's happening. Here's the direction I'm thinking about doing. Are, are we still all okay on this? How, what what should, what do you think that we should be doing? Um, yeah, so that's plus plus on what you said, Victor. So it's a little bit more work. <laughs> and plus to that, sometimes if you find yourself in a situation where the client is unable to articulate this, like maybe you can articulate heuristics. So I did this with one client. Like you are not here to take over and solve our problems. You're help here to help us understand our problems. And like whatever you find, like and then do whatever you want. Uh, and so, okay, now I have some guidelines on how I'm here to behave. And then one other said, like, just observe, don't interact because I wasn't a part of that org. And of course, this was when I was new to coaching. And of course, I interfered and like, oh, all hell broke loose. <laughs> but that was a really valuable learning lesson for me. But so, like, you can also contract on heuristics um, if you don't have a client who knows very well what they want you to you know, work on. Okay. On the dot, we're finished. Um, so thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you to the panel.